Welcome to the Places Presidential Podcast Series. We are excited to have Dr. Norman Hall, President of Simpson University, as our guest. Well, hey, let's start with your journey. We'll take you back a little bit and talk to us about the mentors that helped shape uh, your journey, which has led you to the presidency here at, at Simpson University. Sure. I'm glad to do that. Um, I have, uh, I have had a number of mentors, uh, that have uh, been absolutely critical, uh, male and female. Um, and I almost, I could almost do a podcast on mentors. And, uh, I would say one of the most important things I learned from several of those mentors is it's always important to be mentoring and to be mentored. So, uh, yes, uh, my father was uh, a vital, uh, well, both of my parents, but in terms of leadership, <clears throat> uh, my father was a very humble, is still a very humble coach after uh, God's heart. And uh, that's very important to me as a man of faith. And uh, there's another fellow named John Wallace, who was president, just passed last year, president at uh, Azusa Pacific University, mentored me for about 28 years. Then I'll just mention there's a guy who is a track coach and vice president for student affairs, Terry France, and uh, uh, Larry Meadley, dean of students at Greenville. Uh, Illinois when I was a student, uh, Tom Morgan, who was the guy who was a VP for student life, who uh, caught me as a freshman on a Sunday. I wasn't a pre-freshman. I, I decided to go give my own tour at Greenville University. Wow. And Tom Morgan was walking across campus to get something from his office and ran into me and turned it into a campus visit. And uh, there have just been people you know, you pray that the Lord would give you strength and favor, and that comes in the form of mentors and people that love you and invest in you, even if you're a knucklehead. <laughs> and so, so there's a few names. There are many more, but there's a few important names. Well, and maybe take a little. We can we can talk a little bit about mentors because what what is it about mentors and, and you know not going alone? You know, really having a community of support people that support you, you know, you being able to learn about yourself, you know, why are mentors so important? Well, I'll give you one reason. One is that they're, uh, they're an emotional, intellectual backstop for people who are uh, stretching out sometimes beyond their comfort level. You know, um, I'm a country I'm, I, I literally, I grew up out in the country in a small town and, and that's how I, that's the, the mind's eye, how I see myself. So, um, it, it helps keep me, uh, humble, I hope. And, uh, what happens is uh, when you're in leadership, as you probably know, there are times when you just really don't have an answer. Uh, you you run up upon something new and complex, and it requires uh, the attention of like all of the answers in a crossword puzzle all at once, and they're all critically connected to people. 
and performance of the institution. And um, you have to do, I, I sometimes do doodling, uh, which, which means that I'm uh, kind of drawing a picture of the challenge so that I can talk about it and be faithful to the challenge in front of me. Mm-hmm. Now, when you get in those places, there is no, there is no substitution for having a person who has walked that road before, uh, who is willing to uh, listen and react and pray for you and, and then uh, encourage you. Uh, and, um, my uh, longest lasting mentor, Dr. Wallace, would say he recommended this, that <clears throat> with a mentor, you, when you go into a mentoring conversation, you try to have three good questions. And uh, so as I became president, I would, I would have uh, always one or two or three good questions and but I wouldn't race to call him every 10 minutes I would kind of keep a yellow pad in my mind and sometimes you you just have the peace that comes with I'm going to write this question on the yellow pad and a couple of days later you might resolve it yourself uh, but there's a peace that comes from saying I I have somebody I can consult with and I would call him probably once a month and I'd say, here's my three quandaries. And uh, he would sew into that conversation things like, you know, uh, let's remember to keep the main thing, the main thing always, you know, uh, your faith, uh, your love for people, treating people kindly. And in that context, uh, we, would, we would enter into a, kind of a reflection, problem-solving and sometimes it was 15 minutes, sometimes it was an hour, but quite often, Brad, <clears throat> by the time I called, something that was on my list uh, four weeks ago was long gone. I had already solved it. But but the peace that comes from knowing that if you, if you uh, get two or three whoppers, you have somebody that you can call and has walked ahead of you and will listen with you and pray with you and just give you some feedback. And a good mentor doesn't say, you will do this, or you have to do this. They say, well, what kind of options are you thinking about? And then they say, uh, well, here's some ideas. And you don't necessarily come to a conclusion. You just have the peace that comes from someone who has walked, you know, in the dark night through the valley before. And, and you say, okay, i I derive some real confidence from knowing that others have been here before and that my life experience and preparation and the people that I get to work with will find our way through this. That's perhaps more than you asked for, but, but probably the most important part of mentoring that I've experienced. Absolutely. No, that's great. That's great. Um, did you, uh, did you plan on being a president? That's a really good question. People ask that <clears throat> quite often. I, I actually thought I was going to be a dairy farmer. Uh, I In high school, I took a lot of ag classes. I took welding. And uh, I think I would be the last person, including me, that thought I would ever be a president. I never thought I would write a dissertation. I thought it would be easier to bleed a book full of uh, 
<laughs> content. So, uh, no, I, I, but I, when I was a kid, I went to a Baptist camp in Benton, Illinois. I grew up American Baptist and, uh, and the minister said, who, who of you have, would like to give your life to Jesus? Well, I, I felt very strongly about that. So I raised my hand a year later, same pastor, same camp. Who of you would uh, see yourself giving yourself to serving the kingdom and the people um, as a, as a shepherd? Uh, and I raised my hand again. And I remember making the deal, Lord, please don't put me in the pulpit anywhere. And, uh, I'm sure he laughs about it now when I have to speak in different places, but, uh, no, I, I didn't think, I didn't think. And, and quite frankly, as I, as I meant, as I matured professionally, I thought, uh, there were many times I thought I didn't trust people who wanted to be president. I thought that was a sure sign that they shouldn't be president. And so on the journey, of uh, my, uh, my wife and I uh, being encouraged by mentors and friends to take a look or receiving a nomination. There were a number of times when uh, I had to think and pray about making sure it wasn't my ego. And, uh, and it, it's really hard when, when you get pushed into making some tough decisions and making sure that you're involving others for your ego, not to get ahead of you. So uh, Yeah. I think, I think, uh, no, I, I didn't plan on it, but I, I did make a commitment a long time ago to serve as best I could where I was planted. Mm -hmm. So what are the top two or three initiatives that you're focused on at Simpson? Uh, growth, faith development, uh, for our students and, uh, quality experience in the midst of all that, you know, young people now, if they, if, you know, and it's, it's absolute proof. If anybody knows much about budgeting, if you start off with the proposition that you're non-for-profit, there are a lot of, there are a lot of elements in that space that, that make it hard from the get-go. So you want to be, uh, you want to be focused on your, institutional priorities that we would send out. We, we want to send out students of effusive faith, critical competence, and courageous leadership. We believe that, uh, you know, Billy Graham said the next great revival will happen in the workplace. Now, I've, I've paraphrased that a little bit, but, <clears throat> but the point is, if we look at governance right now, uh, there are a lot of reasons to think that thoughtful, grounded, young people with a moral compass uh, uh, welded to the floor of their soul. We'd like to see more of those people leading the nation and leading in the world. So in order to get to that place, we have to have uh, rigorous academic programs. Uh, an example of that is that our, by a, by a company called uh, shoot, I can't remember. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's a rating agency that rated our, our, uh, our nursing program, number one in California out of 140 schools. And it's based on the NCLEX scores, uh, which is, you can't fake that. Um, 
we believe that we have to have really rigorous academics combined with uh, students that can have a real university experience uh, with sports and a great cafeteria and fun events and last lectures and uh, trips to <clears throat> uh, places where uh, mining has damaged the earth and let our students participate in, in restoration. Um, these are the things of a true university experience. And if, if it, and it, and it's a, it costs a premium, you know, it's very expensive to run a, a university now. And there are very few people that make a lot of money. Uh, so we're we're really focused on the outcomes of graduating students who can go out and change the world and and trying to make it affordable, but it's tough. And so, if if you ask about my priorities, it's that our university is robust and virtually uh, uh, vibrating with the stuff that attract young people to be here and send them out uh, prepared to change the world. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, you probably got more answer than you than you asked for. I'm wandering around a little bit today, no. but the but the top priorities for us as an institution is to grow and to grow well, and to impact lives, and uh, and to plan for the next hundred years. There you go. Yeah. Well, I know that. Uh, so when you, when you talk to a prospective student that might be looking to go into the job into a field right out of high school. You know, and that student is saying, hey, I'm getting paid a high per hour rate. I want to jump in. I don't want to incur debt. You know, hey, what what's in it for me to earn a college degree? What do you tell that student as far as the value of a degree of education and maybe even better yet, the value of a faith based education? There are a number of times when I have uh, say later this week, I'm going to do a fireside chat. We call it the president's fireside chat. It's just myself and whatever students want to show up. And it's not uncommon for students to want to talk about the value of education uh, and the cost. And I usually say, you know, I, I grew up very modestly without a lot of resources. And I uh, worked construction uh, from the moment school was out uh, to the moment it picked up again in the fall and I worked an enormous amount of hours in the sun and I would write a check to my university. And then I would live on about $3 for the next two semesters. And I would take out a lot of loans. And by the time I finished, I had a lot of debt. And I say to the students, you know, I always kind of resented that, but I've never regretted it. Because uh, when you come to a university and you really participate, you learn a lot in the social context. You learn an awful lot in the space where you submit yourself to teaching of people who have given their lives to preparing you to, to be impacting after graduation and get a great job. And so uh, I say to them, our goal is to make sure that you get in a great job. And in our strategic plan, we're putting even more pressure right now on having um, internships before they graduate, 
because, you know, a student will leave a university, they'll leave a city, but they won't leave a relationship. And so the local community is very set on having our graduates uh, pick up jobs and stay in jobs in our community to fortify the economic base and the citizenry with quality people. Um, you can tell what happens when I talk to students. I, I launch into this conversation about preparing them to be maximally contributing citizens who can lead and who can put good food on the table for their kids and have insurance and and go on vacations and contribute to their church. And by the time I'm done, they can tell that I'm saying to them, look, uh, there's, there's really no substitute for giving yourself four years of opportunity and connecting with others that then will connect you with others. And there are very, very, very few people who go to a four-year liberal arts institution, if they pay attention at all, that have any trouble uh, paying back uh, those debts because there's a multiplier of two or three times their earning capacity and influencing capacity when they have the experience of uh, a Christian liberal arts institution. So it's an easy topic to talk about. And of course, we're always showing them examples of people who graduated and are doing quite well. Right. Right. <clears throat> so it's a very competitive market out there. How, how does Simpson University, how do you compete? <clears throat> we, we work with a lot of data. <clears throat> um, uh, the new majors that we've started, digital media, computer information systems, engineering, kinesiology, social welfare, uh, sports management. Those are the things that our data tells us. Uh, we use a company called Grays, which gives us really rich, deep data about <clears throat> about the market uh, in our region and elsewhere. So we, we literally take aim at where the greatest need is. And we have some knowledge and awareness of what those opportunities look like after students graduate. And then we're um, working on plugging them into internships before they graduate. Uh, so, so when we're trying to grow, we're, we're saying, Hey, um, the first part is <clears throat> we deliver on what you're going to want and need most in a few years. On the front edge, we are delivering a high quality, uh, safe place to learn and grow and mature and ask tough questions and play sports and go on trips. And we have a beautiful campus, you know, with a climbing wall and tremendous food and a uh, beautiful uh, landscape with 50 waterfalls, uh, hikes within 50 miles. And so we simply tell students about the opportunity to study in this place and prepare to be a world changer. And, and that uh, keeps us competitive, especially when they can see that when they graduate, they get great jobs. So talk a little bit about that local, the local relationships. You know, you talked about how important relationships are. How do you expand and build, build relationships with the local community? I can give you a couple examples. I'm, I'm a member of the local Rotary, for example. 
And, and, and there are five rotary clubs in our region here in the North state. And they've all invited me to come in and tell the story of what's happening at Simpson. So one is you have to tell the story and you have to tell the story. You have to tell the story. You have to tell the story. Two is you need to show up if there's a gala or a, you know, a fundraiser for something important in your, in your city, you got to be there. If you're going to build a building, you work with a local architect uh, you spend time with them at lunch. You, know, you spend, if you're starting an engineering program, you have a couple of lunches with all of the local engineers. You invite them to look at your curriculum. <clears throat> if you're, uh, if you want students to be involved in the local churches during the new student orientation, you make sure that there's a, a place in the schedule where you get students to those places so they can cross the threshold at least once into some of the local houses of worship so they know where they are. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> I also have worked uh, pretty diligently, as I've said, with our student life staff on building internship connectivity. And we also, in our internship and career office, we brought in a local uh, uh, career development company called O2. They help people get into jobs. And we said, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> Schools were always trying to do a, a career office, but they're not meaningfully connected to the local economy. So we said to this company, O2, which is run by two of our graduates, and they, they are probably the, uh, the biggest deal in, in the North State. We said, why don't we uh, fit one of your people into an office on our campus? And when they get jobs, the employer pays you just like everybody else. But, but you're bringing the best intel in the market right now to our students. So we're giving them a 1,000 people to serve so that they can make money. We're serving our students better. So we have to, you know, that's the product of saying, okay, how can we better work with our local market? Similarly, we brought in a company called Dunamis, which is a growing counseling services company. So we bring in their experts on our campus, which is connected to their broader expertise, uh, which allows them also to help us find clinical opportunities for our master's in counseling program. Uh, and one more example, we, uh, we jettisoned uh, a national food uh, program and brought a more local company in called Sage. And we said, we're gonna source everything that we can locally. So there's a place in town called R&R Meats. They have tremendous product. Everybody in town talks about it. So we said, let's get our meat from R&R Meats and let's tell everybody about it. The students love the product. The local economy loves that we're leaning in. That gives us lots of things to talk about that are not uh, just yammering on about meaningless things, but, uh, you know, real physical, uh, evaluate, uh, evaluated uh, product engagement with the local community. So uh, you can tell I, it's early this morning and I'm just going on and on. I'm, I'm counting on you to, uh, to cut the sound bites up and make this a little more digestible. Hey, I, I love this. This is a, it's a great conversation. So, hey, we're kind of the MCs and ask the questions, but you're doing the heavy lift. So we appreciate yeah. that. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> Now, what about um, where do you where do you think Simpson will be in five years? <clears throat> um, well, 
I think it's very possible that we'll have a football program in the near future. I think we'll, uh, with building our uh, digital media, sorry, our business technology building that we expect to break ground on later this year. It's a $7 million building that will serve our engineering uh, business program. Um, uh, and um, we also just started uh, competitive cheer. And as I mentioned before, social welfare is a brand new online program. I would expect that we would, uh, we've had four years of growth in a row, which is, I don't, I don't know if you could find another school like us in the United States. So we intend to continue to grow by putting great products out on the market, as well as growing our co-curriculum uh, in a manner that's commensurate with what the market wants. So, for example, when we looked at what the North State would want, <clears throat> this, is, this has got two of the most beautiful lakes in the country, uh, Shasta and Whiskey Town Lakes, and that's just a few, right? So, so we started a bass fishing program. And a couple of weeks ago, we were ranked 16th in the nation out of, I don't know, so somewhere between two and 600 collegiate bass fishing teams, we were ranked number 16. Uh, our students drive a $70,000 uh, bass fishing boat that is sponsored by uh, locals such as uh, Black Bear Diner. And oh. so everything we do... We're leaning into our community and celebrating the great communities in the, in the North State. And we have every reason and expectation that we'll continue to grow. Even the notion of football, for example, is aimed at a market niche where there's need in the North State. There's probably five junior colleges up here that have great football programs and then nothing after that. No. The big state schools don't have football anymore. And um, so that's that would, I never played football. My son did. I, I know very little bit about it, but I also knew very little bit about bass fishing teams. The point is, what is it that the North state needs to reinvest in youth? And, and I expect that we will continue to lean hard into that curve. We're looking right now at a, a family nurse practitioner and, <clears throat> and doctor of nurse practitioner program to put as a cap on our on our nursing program, which is a tremendous need in the North State. So when we see a need, we generate a program, we participate with the local community, we build the program, the program fills up and we keep growing. So uh, that's my plan. President Hall, um, tell us, talk about the rich legacy of your institution you were established mm -hmm. in 1921 as a bible college mm -hmm. and you've been all over uh before you landed where you are as an institution right um, would you tell us a little bit about the history please sure uh and <clears throat> i'm not the expert i know a few important <laughs> points obviously as president i should be able to talk about that we started in uh, in seattle and at some point, uh, there was a desire to get uh, to a richer, broader, bigger population. They moved to San Francisco, uh, bought a building. It's kind of a fun story. Bought a building that had been owned by 
the uh, the um, Salvation Army. So there was already a big S on the floor in the main building, and we outgrew that at a time when there was a lot of turmoil in the city. And so there were a couple of folks out here in Reading who's, who had been wanting to have a UC school, and they heard that we were looking for possible other locations and we looked at them and they looked at us and they said, wow, if we bring a liberal arts school out here, you could be more nimble than a UC or a state school. And we could be in relationship with you and influence what you offer in your curriculum. And so we made the leap uh, about 34 years ago uh, from San Francisco to Reading. And uh, it's been uh, it's had, we've had some feast and famine times, uh, but right now we've had, uh, we, we believe our best days are ahead and, uh, being in Reading is fantastic. This is, this is a tremendous community of hardworking people. There's an, there's a number of people moving here from, from the Bay area as, uh, as more and more people work from home. They're looking over here saying, wow, price, uh, housing is affordable. The food is awesome. The recreation is awesome. And all of that benefits our students with more opportunities uh, in the future. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's, a, that's the short story for three, three, uh, three locations. And last week, by the way, we launched at a partner school, an MACC program in Hong Kong. So uh, now we're in Hong Kong. Wow. You have a, are you physically in Hong Kong? Is it online? How does that work? <clears throat> it's online. We have partners at the Hong Kong Institute for Christian Counseling, and uh, they had, they had a, a program that they, they wanted to put a master's cap on, and, and they asked us if we could deliver it online to their location, and so we do. And awesome. it's a thrill. So I do a lot of research on rural universities and you don't find private colleges, not for profit. You don't find a lot in the West Coast, especially not a lot in California, right? So right. there are a lot of pockets in Iowa, there's Midwest and obviously Southeast. Um, so how does that position you being away from the bulk of historical rural colleges? <clears throat> You're one of the very few in California uh, you know, what are the pros and cons on, on, on being one of the few rural colleges out here? Well, the pros are if we're delivering product that the, that the North State wants, we're the only game. And that's good. That's certainly good. The, <clears throat> perhaps the greatest challenge is uh, travel to uh, recruit and travel to take our teams we we cover a lot of miles to have baseball a full baseball season we're all over southern california and arizona and up north and uh you know that's challenging that's challenging but another advantage is you know as as junior colleges have become essentially free in california and there's uh, pressure even from the state governance uh, it's called the adt agreement for junior colleges to help their students get into four-year colleges to finish a bachelor's degree. 
uh, we've seen uh, some influx of junior college students transferring to Simpson over the last couple of years. And I don't mind bragging just a little bit. Um, there's a dashboard, the Western Association Accreditation <clears throat> has a dashboard that shows that uh, our students that transfer are graduating at a higher rate than most schools like us and with less debt. So that's what you see in that is what's wrapped in that is that we're working to serve our North state constituents and they're leaning in and, and we're delivering the goods and in partnership with them. So uh, advantages uh, we're, we're still beginning to realize all of the advantages even now as we're working, for instance, with the likes of Sierra Pacific to set up internship opportunities in the CIS space and in the in the engineering space, so that uh, our students, you know, since we're the only game for miles, our students get access to some great opportunities in a in a growing uh, space up here in the north. Now you have a fairly high retention and graduation rate. What do you attribute that to? Uh, you're very kind. I don't know that I would call it high uh, because we certainly have our sights set on higher. Mm -hmm. uh, we've grown a little bit over the last three years. And, you know, you know, uh, I, I did research in my master's level about the relationship between uh, co-curriculum and student satisfaction, GPA, uh, and graduation. And <clears throat> there's more than a few researchers who would suggest that if you create an environment where, where there's more carrot than stick, for example, right? Uh, schools all over the nation are trying to figure out how to get people to register on time for classes for the next year. So I gathered the leadership team together and said, you know, what, what could we do that would cause students to want to do what they need to do that won't cost us a lot, but will benefit them and certainly benefit us if we, uh, if we put some carrots in place. So what did we do? We, we had this brilliant uh, Red Hawk red sweatshirt with giant Simpson University put on the front, the, the creme de la creme of the collegiate sweatshirt that says their university in big, bold letters. And we said, when you register for classes on time, you get a free, amazing looking sweatshirt. Uh, my friends, let me tell you, the next ball game after that was packed full of those great red sweatshirts. And they were all headed home for Christmas vacation to show off to all their friends. So we got marketing out of the deal. We got the students to do what we wanted them to do. And undoubtedly, you can imagine it. You know, when you get people nested, they stay. If they're constantly uh, anxious about whether they have all their stuff done, they live in that space of discontentment. Yeah, am I going to continue? Am I not? So if we say, look, we know it's hard. FAFSA is hard. Getting scheduled is hard. We have a whole committee called Good Process Committee, which is totally aimed at how do we make the flow through the university make more sense to the students so that we take some of the stress out of it. Now, we've got a lot of work to do, but the bottom line is if we think about the student's journey and we put co-curriculum in place that 
cause them to make friends and participate. If we have fireside chats with the president where they can come and say whatever they want, uh, that's the sort of stuff that makes them want to stay. We, we, four years ago, we had this bookstore on the main floor of our main building and it was losing money. So we said, get that thing out of here. We turned it into a big student union with a big uh, screen TV on the wall and adjoining to a coffee shop that we remodeled. And now there's always students in there. Before that, after there was a game, there was nowhere to go get a Pepsi and some popcorn. Now they can go get a pizza or or uh, or Philly cheesesteak or a cheese sandwich, whatever, after the ball game and hang out with their friends. If you don't want to be a de facto commuter campus, you have to give students a reason to uh, want to hang around after the game and talk to each other and build relationships. And it's that relational capital that turns into retention. And, and uh, uh, another thing we did, we, we provide, well, we provide really, really good food through Sage. Like yesterday we had, uh, we had uh, a pho line so that students could go through and build their own pho but they also had pizza and burgers and a health food line, right? And we give all of the faculty and staff a meal plan so that they can eat with the students and participate with the students in community. That is the stuff of retention. That's And retention is just an expression of students wanting to be here. So uh, we've been blessed four years of growth in both retention and return rate. Uh, similarly, we have uh, uh, an awarded Veterans Affairs program, perhaps 50, 60 veterans in that program that get special support for their unique uh, cut. You know, you could go to a school as a veteran, but you have some unique stuff going on in your life that other people don't understand. Well, wait a minute. I could go to Simpson where they value me for being a veteran. And there's a space I can go study with other veterans and do some activities and events. I think I'll go there, right? That uh, We've also grown our international population from six to about 70 in the last four years. And when they're on a team and they're valued for their unique uh, personhood as an international student, that's where they want to come back. So uh, anyway, I could go on for days, but there's, there's a few cuts at it. So, so I know you guys are well over 70% in, in enrollment persistent. <laughs> the average in a country of schools that, that are, you know, less than 2,000 students is less than 55%. Mm-hmm. Um, where would you like to be in terms of persistence and graduation rate? I want to see uh, the, the true term, and everything flows out of this, really. If you can get... If you can get your real retention number, that's first time, full time freshman returning one year later. If you can get that to 80 percent, you're cooking with gas. And and that's that's where we want to be in the future. And we've got eight or 10 points to go to get there. But I think we will. And uh, we just need to continue to deliver. The customer wants something. We make sure that we tell them what we're going to deliver. And tell them how we're going to deliver in the, in the you know, retention is fit, finance, and engagement. Mm-hmm. Fit and finance, that ship has mostly passed by the time they show up. 
Now they have to be engaged, have to be meaningfully engaged in, in ways that cause them to feel like, hey, I'm learning. Hey, I'm getting relationships. Hey, I have a bright future from here. Hey, I have people that will mentor me and I can call when I have trouble. Uh, so 80%, that's my goal. So if I'm a parent and I'm bringing my kid to <clears throat> consider Simpson, or if I, even if I'm not, but I, you know, you're having a talk with us, um, you are a faith-based liberal arts institution mm-hmm. um, in a rural area, right? right? And, and there are a lot of com- there are a lot of competition. You have rural regional colleges. You have other private right. colleges, right? <clears throat> what would you say your distinct differentiator is um, for a parent who is trying to send? A, they're trying to choose which school to send their kid to in California. Well, one of the things that higher education people need to just recognize this. Mm -hmm. There are perhaps 180 Christian liberal arts institutions in the United States, Mm -hmm. right? And um, some people say you have to own your own backyard. I think that's a really important thing to lean into because virtually all of the 180 of us have very similar distinctives, a Christ-centered, smaller student-teacher ratio, um, uh, athletic programs that allow you to graduate from high school and get involved and compete, uh, great opportunities to get a job because we set up networks to facilitate that. What's distinctive about us is that we're in the we're in the adventure district of the North. Uh, our teams, you don't just play, but in our space, we had 13 teams go to postseason play last year. Um, we know, based on measures like the NCLEX measures, that our majors, our students are studying. They have great professors. They're getting great jobs. And, you know, here's what I know from studies. While the parents listening to me, they're like, well, we're going to put a lot of money into this education. We want to, and I'm a parent of three college graduates. <clears throat> What does mom and dad want? They want to know that their what is most precious to them will be safe and will be valued. And they'll grow up in a space where young people can knock the barnacles off each other, learning and growing in, in a social settings, building social capital, which turns into bridging capital and bridging capital turns into jobs and opportunity for the rest of their lives. So I say to mom and dad, look, this is the place where, at least regionally, and I'm, I don't make a claim that we're better than other uh, Christian institutions, but by golly, we are in the heart of the adventure district of beautiful Northern California, not too, just a couple hours from the ocean. Heck, we're, uh, we're only an hour from where Bigfoot was first filmed. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of young people that want to be on the bass fishing team or they want to, and they want to play and they want to travel and say, mom and dad, come to our campus, have a look around. It's beautiful. Meet our faculty. Your, uh, your kids, your children will be valued. They will be safe. They will get great jobs. And I give them my cell number. They can, Call me personally. Uh, I never want to be so big that I can't take a call from mom and dad. 
So that's the kind of conversation we have. And if they come to campus and eat our food and meet a coach or go to a class, it's it's an easy deal. And uh, we, we also have some of the best coffee in our coffee shop on the planet. I don't know why, but it's really good. <laughs> so there you go. And, and, you know, I would also say we have graduate programs in counseling. They can roll right into it. If they're interested in faith development, we... We challenge the model where it used to take six years to get an MDiv. We have a five-year model. It's a three plus two model. If they want to travel the world and be a missionary or or go on uh, trips to other places in the world, we have sent students to literally every place in the world on mission trips and uh, educational experiences. So uh, mom, dad, there are other great schools, but but you're here right now in front of me, and I'm I'm going to tell you, we're going to serve you. This is going to be a life changing place, and your son or daughter is going to go out with connections that will last a lifetime and a great job, and the opportunity opportunity to serve where they land. So that's a little bit of the speech. There you have it, our listeners. If you're going to test drive a car or, or anything else, you might as well try and test drive a university by visiting it, to see it, to feel it, to experience it, and then make a decision for yourself. And you're not going to get the president of a UC system giving you the cell phone number either, right? So that's uh, right. President Hall, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Oh, thank you, gentlemen. You guys, uh, JP and Brad, you're pros. Thank you very much. You're doing, you're doing great work. Uh, for a lot of people who want to know what's out there. Very exciting. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining the Plexus Presidential Podcast Series. For more information on the series, please visit us at plexus.com forward slash solutions. Thank you.